occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 63. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses on this just all right day. It's fine. It's getting warmer. I can open the window now. Finally. I mean, we could open it before, but it would let fridge air in. What are you covering today? This week, I'll be talking to you about the Forest Fen treasure. Honestly, there's not a lot more I can tell you about it other than its name and the fact that it's a treasure. Sick. Treasure hunting. We're both going treasure hunting today. Woo. I'm talking about the masquerade treasure hunt. Does everyone that looks for the treasure have to wear a mask? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's the episode done, guys. See you next week. It's been real. Okay, do you have any news for me this week? That I do. My source is unexplained-mysteries.com. And this week is less spooky news and more Kate's a science nerd and she's going to force all of you to listen news. No! Yeah! Okay, so... People can talk to you and actually communicate with you even when you're dreaming. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Although people are asleep... And actually in REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement, so like deep sleep, studies have shown that you can answer simple maths, follow instructions, and answer yes or no questions with responses through your eye movements or facial twitches. That's sick. Yeah, so they'll be like, look left for yes. Wow. And then they're like, do you have a cat? And if it's yes, like they'll they'll look left. That's crazy. What is that, like just your subconscious knowing stuff? I don't know. Being cool. I've not got a clue, I Probably, guess. Probably, right? But um, also you can understand the questions and use your working memory or short-term memory as it's better known to answer the questions. So you're giving like legit responses. You're not just answering random. That's so cool. Although it's like, okay, that's cool. Whatever. What are you going to do with the information? Well, we can learn more about the way that dreams work because you are mid-sleep. Dreams are so rad. Dreams are like one of my favorite things in the whole world. I could talk about them for hours. I know, I thought you'd get excited because you can actually ask people questions about their dreaming while they're dreaming. That's so cool. Right? And I don't know if they're going to try it, but if your working memory is there, maybe they could put memories into your brain that haven't happened, which sounds like some black mirror shit right there. That's terrifying. Do you think that would work if you're like in a coma? Or are you just so unresponsive in a coma that it wouldn't matter? I don't really know enough about comas. It just kind of my brain jumped to that. I think it depends on the level of brain activity because you can be in a coma with like no brain activity or, you know, low brain activity. But obviously when you're in REM sleep, you've got a lot going on in your head. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. Um, I presume they'll do a study at some point to have a look, but... That's that's so cool. I'm going to come up to you in the night with a torch and be like, Kate, what are you dreaming about? (laughs) I'm going to be like, "Um, yeah, today you were thinking a lot about buying Kate a Starbucks. (laughs) Buy me a cat. Well, buy me (laughs) a cat. It's not like... Subconscious affirmations. Yeah, it's not like that, but it's like... I mean, simple math was on there, but I was like, you can't do simple math when you're awake. Well, when you're All asleep. right. Maybe geez. you'd be better asleep. Maybe. I wouldn't be able to overthink it. Whoa. I'm a genius, but only when I'm sleeping. Me too. 
I'm a genius, but only unconscious. Conscious, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> All right, let's talk about let's talk about treasure hunts. So today I'm talking about the Masquerade treasure hunt, and Masquerade was a picture book that promised hidden treasure to anyone who could solve the puzzles within. Sounds sick, right? I love that you say picture. Like, oh, I'm at Spoons, can I have a picture of sex on the beach? Picture. Picture. Leave me alone. That's just how I say words. <laughs> Sources are thefoolserrand.com, BBC, mysteriouswritings.com, Wikipedia, and treasureclub.net. So Masquerade was written and illustrated by Kit Williams in 1979, after he was challenged by a publishing team to create something that nobody had ever done before. Kit is an artist, and he was interested in making a picture book, but he didn't want people to sort of look at it once and then get rid of it like some people do with art books. You know, you've seen the art once and you're like, that's nice. Yeah, I have that. I've got a couple art books and I'm reluctant to get rid of them because it's really cool. But also like you've seen it. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. not even like art where you can put it on your wall and appreciate it every day. Like gotta sit down and read a book, but it's just pictures. Yeah, so he didn't want that to happen, but you want people to actually look at his artwork properly in the detail he put in. So he was like, I want to make it. People have to study it carefully. But maybe we think of them like a prize. That would work. Mm hmm. So he also wanted to create like an interesting theme. So they'd have to look at the pictures for a long time. So he decided to settle on a treasure hunt. And he illustrated 15 very detailed pictures. And it was like a story of a boy named Jack Hare who wanted to carry the, this pendant from the moon to the sun. So I think the sun and the moon were like personified and they were in love. And the moon wanted to give this pendant to the sun and was like, Jack, you carry it. I thought you were talking about like the origins of the story and I was like, was Kit on some mad drugs? Oh no, this is just, the, yeah, that's yeah. the plot of the the plot of the story. Yeah. The concept, basically. Um, she did inverted commas, by the way, but none of you can see this because it's an audio Oh podcast. yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he gets to the sun, he realises he's dropped the treasure, he's lost it, and the reader has to find it. Oh, that's sweet. However, the treasure hunt did not finish within the book because Kit had created the first armchair treasure hunt. So he'd created an 18 karat gold hair pendant to go along with the book. It was like a large jeweled necklace that he'd hid inside of a ceramic basket to protect it from, from soil and so that you couldn't get um, detected by metal detectors. Oh, that's clever. And it was valued at around £5,000. Nice. Which, with inflation, because I know you'd ask, is about twenty five grand now. Oh, it Safe. also had like beautiful rubies and moonstones. It, it's really, really pretty. I'll put a social uh, photo on social media. At Myth's Magic Pod. And the casket that it was in was inscribed with, I am the keeper of the jewel of the masquerade, which lies waiting safe inside me for you or eternity. And I was thinking like, imagine finding that by accident. I know, right? Just and being like, like, oh my fucking God, what, what is this? Right, I feel like a lot more people have got into... um like treasure hunting and geo caching and stuff since corona could you imagine like you just you're like i'm on my one walk of the day and then you just like go dig in or something i'm the keeper of the jewel of masquerade <laughs> right it's a bit creepy isn't it so we did this like first of all because he wanted people to buy his book and sort of look at his art more obviously but he also thought that if it was connected to actual treasure people would you know be interested in doing it and he wanted his work to mean something he said that when he completed treasure hunts as a kid, the treasure wasn't ever really worth finding. Mm -hmm. So if he made something really cool from gold and buried it in the ground, people would be able to actually do a real treasure hunt and get an actual prize. That's a lot of dedication. And that's like, 
a surety that your your books will sell. You know what I mean? He's like, I can afford to spend like twenty five grand to make this thing, and then just he was dedicated, just toss it in the ground. It's beautiful as well. It's it's really nice. So on the seventh of August, nineteen seventy nine, Kit and a witness buried the casket at Amthill Park in Bedfordshire, and he announced the book publicly. The witness was Bamba Gaskell, who presented University Challenge, and he was also her historian, so it was like a trustworthy celebrity public figure. That's cool. And he gave one clue that the treasure would be in a public location, and then it could be accessed easily, so it wouldn't be in like someone's garden. Yeah, private property. And he announced that the, he would accept the first correct answer sent to him by post, so the people who didn't live in, in Bedfordshire could still like participate. Oh, that's nice. He was willing to accept the location within a few inches, but besides that, it had to be precise. How are you supposed to figure that out, though, if you're not in Bedfordshire? I guess you just have to... Google Maps was not a thing. Well, I guess you have to just find the clue, and then, because it, it comes, I'll tell you, it comes to a riddle. Okay. I guess if you just explain the riddle, if you were in America, maybe it would still work. Right. But anyways, Sorry. regardless... <laughs> The book was obviously a massive hit. It sold more than a million copies worldwide, which at the time was obviously a really big deal. People from many different countries were getting involved trying to find the hair. An airline even started selling transatlantic masquerade tickets, which came with a free spade for you to dig when you like to find the treasure once you got there. That's so funny. And Kit was interviewed on many different TV shows, and the first edition of the book sold out within four days. The puzzles in the book were so detailed and complex that there were many different interpretations and kids started getting more than 200 letters a day people trying to find the solution. And the book was really, really nice because it was obviously beautiful artwork, but it had absolutely no instructions. So you ah. had to just kind of figure it out. Oh, no. And the text inside of the book, like the, the story, meant absolutely nothing. The clues were just all in the, in the artwork. So you had to just figure it out by the art. You had to just study the artwork. And figure it out. That and seems like the hardest. At least with treasure maps, there's like only the important things on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the book was relatively cheap to buy. So the prize was like a really big deal. Not just anyone could have it. You know, you had to be like you had really to be like smart. Educated. Not just educated, just really good at figuring out clues. Figuring out the pattern, I guess. But Bamba Gassel couldn't even figure it out, and he'd been there. The, a kid had explained the, the 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 clues to him, and showed him where it was buried. Oh, damn. And he was still like, "I don't, I don't, I don't understand it." That's a clever man as well. It was also full of red herrings. So, oh, Kit, chill out, dude. Kit is an intense guy. So after years of Kit receiving thousands of letters, in March of 1982, he got a letter with a sketch, and it was the first correct location that had been sent to him. Oh my god. He immediately called the man, whose name was Ken Thomas, and instructed him to dig up the treasure. But it was soon apparent that Ken had not actually solved the puzzle at all, and it was a lucky guess. Oh, that's a shame. Ken told the media that he'd found the hair because he read that Kit lived nearby, that park at one point, and he went to visit with his dog. His dog ran off to pee a few yards from the vital clue that would solve the puzzle. Oh my god. The hair was given to Ken, and shortly after this, a correct response was sent in by uh, two physics teachers, and we'll come back to that later. Oh, that's but first, a shame. some drama. Oh my god, yes, I live for it. 
Once the puzzle was solved, the media obviously wanted to celebrate and learn about the man who'd solved this really hard puzzle. It had been like two and a half years or something crazy. He was just some dude with a dog that has a UTI. <laughs> Ken was very against publicity, but he hesitantly agreed to do it. However, in pictures and TV, he was sort of disguised. He had like a hat, a big coat, glasses, a mustache that looks very fake. God, I love people. And he avoided looking near the camera to try and sort of conceal his face. Oh my God, who is he? Is it Kit? No, Kit was on the photos too. Oh. It was discovered that when Masquerade was published and the idea was sort of conjured by Kit, Kit's girlfriend, Veronica Robertson, was <gasps> living with him. Oh my God, yes, Ronnie. She's absolutely living for it. She completely denies that she ever knew or wanted to know the location of the treasure. Mm -hmm. And shortly after this, their relationship ended. Mm, sure sounds legit there, Veronica. Less than a year after their breakup, Veronica was out searching at Antle Park in the middle of the night with a metal detector. I wonder why that is. She was with a group of people. John Gard, who she was living with at the time, and his business, business partner, Dougal Thompson. Business. Business. His business partner. Veronica said that when she met John, he was incredibly interested in her relationship with Kit and he introduced her to uh, Dougald in hopes of finding out the location of the treasure. Ooh, drama. Upon some further digging, no pun intended, uh -huh. it was revealed that Ken Thomas was a fake name and the person who'd made the lucky guess was in fact Dougald Thompson. <gasps> oh my goodness. Veronica later confessed that she pointed Dougal towards the park because she'd met Kit there, like they used to hang out a few times, and it would be buried there. Oh, that's sweet. And she did this because John allegedly manipulated her, and he suggested that if they find the hair, they could give the money to animal rights groups. What a bastard! Because she wasn't really into the money, but she wanted to help the animals, so he was like, if we find this, we can put all the money towards these charities. And she was like, okay. Ew. I, no, I don't like you. Nasty man. I hope they allegedly. took you to court. Allegedly. I hope they allegedly took you to court. <laughs> they enlisted the help of some metal detector enthusiasts to, to join their group. And when Veronica was there, she didn't say anything. But she did bring a copy of the hair's casket that Kit had given to her as a present. When the hair was found and Ken collected his prize, John confessed to Veronica that they'd found the treasure. Veronica wrote a, uh, a letter to Kit apologising for the embarrassment that he'd face. Oh, that's sweet. Also, what's ridiculous is that Dougald used the hair as sort of a collateral to start a computer games company named Hairsoft and offered the hair as a prize for this new treasure hunt that he was making, which was the form of a computer game named Hair Razor. So the entire brand was that they had this golden hair. That's so funny. Like, we get it, dude. The game was deemed by many to be unsolvable and meaningless, with meaningless texts and graphics. And because of this, there was no winner, and it was extremely poorly received. In fact, I just watched a 40-minute video on why it's the worst game ever created. <laughs> wow. Even worse than, um... Oh, what was it? E.T. Yeah. Fun fact, E.T. I wish I could remember what console it was for. There was an E.T. game that was made and it did so badly and they'd made so many copies because they thought it'd be a big deal that they buried them all in the desert because they didn't know what to do with them. They were like, oh man, we've got millions of E.T. games. What do we do? Well, Hairsoft spent a lot of money on advertising and they used the hair as a prize if you solved the puzzle or £30,000 in cash. 
which the hair, no one thought it was worth that much. So he was really overstepping it. Damn. I guess he knew that no one could win. The game sold for eight ninety five, which was much more money than the other premium games at the time. So it's kind of like in gaming money, the equivalent of spending like fifty, sixty pound on a game now. So you, you pay that for like the big boy games, you know, like the yeah, not even that. Like you might spend fifty nowadays, but even still, it's not sixty quid. Like no, but if you spent fifty pound on a game now, you know you're getting like a really solid game that's been hyped up and is like maybe really good producers and stuff. Or it's this... Call of Duty. <laughs> this was made it the it was that kind of that kind of price but not that kind of game but the game had like no plot or anything it's basically like a picture of some trees with some text and like two controls it's really bad oh it's my like God. literally just grass sky and then like some trees and then if you press a button you go to the next it looks like like a slide which like is a just powerpoint different trees and has different text that's so funny oh my god you also didn't really need it to solve the puzzle because it says that, like, all you need is a pen and paper. So you're just buying the game as, like, a way to figure out, like, a way to give you the clues. You don't actually have to buy the game. That's so crap. But when you send off, like, if you did somehow figure it out, you have to send off that you've, like, a proof that you've paid for the game in order to get the prize. Oh, so that's it's lame. Kind of a scam. Oh, kind of. Allegedly a scam. Allegedly a scam. <laughs> so you're paying for this to solve this this puzzle. It doesn't really exist, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> and then allegedly. But you don't even get anything out of it. Like at least with the book, if you can't solve it, you've got beautiful artwork. It's a really nice book. Allegedly. With this, nothing. And the game was blanket released on every computer at the time. And the media reviewed it as like a cheap cash grab. And it received many complaints, like in letter form, about how pointless and expensive it was. And then they had the audacity to release part two for another eight ninety five, and said that if you want to solve the puzzle, you have to get both parts. Oh my god! This was obviously not taken well at all. You'd be fuming. Yeah, and the media companies just completely ignored it. They just pretended it didn't get released because they were like, "This doesn't <laughs> even deserve our attention." <laughs> And the company went into liquidation. And in 1988, the hair was sold at an auction in London for 31 grand. And Kit attempted to buy the, the hair back, but he stopped bidding at six grand. Mom was like, look, it ain't worth it. I made that and I don't think it's worth that much money, but <laughs> you do you. I myself made that. It was revealed to the public that Ken Thomas was a fraud and he was linked to Kit's ex-girlfriend who helped because she wanted to donate money to charity. Yeah. God bless also, like what a sweet reason for wanting to find it. The Sunday Times published this and alleged that Veronica knew the location of the puzzle because she lived with Kit and Douglas Thompson had found the prize while remaining ignorant to the solution. So he sort of drew a crude sketch of the general area and submitted it to Kit under a, a false name to avoid him figuring out the link. And it obviously Kit wanted it to be more specific, but he was like, I imagine at this point he was like, it's been three years. Yeah, he was like, look, you no one's it. got closer than that. Just have it, pal. When this all came out, it was revealed that John Gard had denied, denied ever knowing Duggled. But people pulled up company documents to prove that they worked together. They had receipts. It also came out that they tried to pay the metal detector enthusiasts a thousand pound to like take the, the media and be like, we found it. It was like they were just trying to lie the whole thing, basically. Good God, pack it in. And when, they, when uh, Kit discovered that he'd given the hair to a fraud, he was like, 
this tarnishes masquerade. I'm shocked by what has emerged. I feel a deep sense of responsibility for all many people who like were trying to genuinely look for it. Yeah. He felt really bad, bless him. He also said that he didn't even believe Dougal would solve the puzzle because he had no proof, but also he didn't have any proof that he didn't so that he couldn't really do anything about it. And the really sucky part is that the two people I mentioned earlier who did solve the puzzle, the, the physics, physics teachers, yeah. Mike Barker and John Russo, they did actually, they were the only people to actually properly solve the puzzle ever. Wow. So Mike and John began questioning how Kit would pro like provide very precise instructions to dig treasure in this 15-page picture book. And they started to put the pieces together. So they felt that the instructions would require the involvement of like a good few words to describe something like this, to, mm -hmm. for it to be specific. Yeah. They tried multiple ways of doing this before realizing that the letters and the borders of the pages seemed really off. So it's really complex. Let me try and describe this okay. over audio. I am hesitant. So it's like a very detailed drawing mm -hmm. with lots of different stuff going on in some of them. Mm -hmm. And then like a, a border all around the whole, around the whole page mm -hmm. that has a bunch of text on it. Okay. Bigger letters, like a frame. Yeah. So they were on this page, which is a drawing of Newton with many puppets and the puppets give the sequence for the animals throughout the book. Okay. Like which order to solve the puzzle in. Yeah. So eventually they figured out that if they follow all the creatures in that order on every page, because the pages aren't numbered, and then draw a line from the creature's eyes to its longest digits. Oh my god. In every digit, it spells out a word. That's crazy. And there are lots of different ways of discovering what letters were important on each page, but eventually they figured out that the riddle spells close by Antil, and the master riddle spelled out, Catherine's long finger overshadows earth, buried yellow amulet, midday points the hour in light of equinox, look you. Mm. There's that, a full that guide sounds online. like a dissertation. There's a full guide online if you want to have a little look. So what the riddle means, the exact location of the hair, it's in uh, Amtil Park, and there's a cross-shaped monument of uh, Catherine of Aragon, who was Queen of England in the 1500s. Do love her, God bless which is her long finger, I guess. What? God bless Catherine Aragon. She seemed all right. She didn't do anything wrong, not that I remember. Is she the horse-faced one? No, that's Anna Cleves. Yeah, Catherine Aragon was his Henry VIII's first, first wife, I believe. Yeah, she seemed all right. Nothing wrong with her. We're not ranking them based in order of how all right they seem. Okay, but top, Anne Boleyn. Top, Jane Seymour. Mm, mm, mm. Wait, who's the one that's plastered around my hometown? Um, <laughs> is that not Anne of Cleves? I don't know. Because I remember being like, why is Anne of Cleves there? Or something like that. <laughs> one of them is there. Because one they used them. to have an estate nearby. Anyway, that's her, that's her long finger. That's Catherine's long finger. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, your long finger. My ginormous digit. Is the... Uh, the cross. So, basically, the precise spot, the tip of the monument's shadow at noon on the day of March or September equinox is where the, the hair is buried. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where it was. Very precisely there. 
And Mike and John, the physics teachers, actually found the specific location of the hair after they solved the puzzle, but they were like a day too late. Oh, because they dug very slightly in the wrong place. No, which is a real shame because they did solve it. Yeah, like they were the only people to actually solve it, but they couldn't win. Did they get any form of compensation? No. Oh no. Well, they couldn't. It already they'd already given to it, it to uh, the other guy like years before. What I would have done is raise a lawsuit about him like if i was kit i would have been like no he's just tricked me into giving it to him you know what i mean maybe yeah like and he has like lied he's hidden his intentions and scammed me out of money and then got the money back and give it to them yeah it's pretty pretty petition for justice that that happened but really interesting yeah and that's it if you want to look at the puzzles then i'll put one or two on social media at Ms. magic pod but if not, there's a whole there's a whole thing on the internet. All the puzzles, all of them explained. Spoiler though, we already told you where it is. It's already gone though. Sorry you can't that. have the prize. You could win. You could win the um, satisfaction hair razor game. Oh god, maybe <laughs> don't buy that. Also, the hair razor game. The second one, like they didn't even put it on most computers. It was only run on like one because the rest of them were like no. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Who's the one computer that was like yeah? I don't remember. Sorry. I didn't write it down. I'll take that. I'll take any of them. Pretty silly, though. Kit was pretty annoyed by this whole thing, I think, because he, it ruined his, like, peaceful life. Well, yeah, it's like the man was just trying to be wholesome. Like like I said, he made this beautiful thing worth a lot of money, and then he buried it because he wanted people to have a good time. Well, the good news is that it was sold to um someone in Egypt, and they apparently wear it every Christmas dinner. Oh. And they loaned it back to um uh england london i guess for a museum exhibition for the 30th anniversary so Aww. kit did get to see it again and like it is in good hands it's not just some random Chucked person who like melted it down to yeah yeah it's good scrap metal it's fine it's really pretty but yeah it's fine oh i'm excited to see it what do you think of that i thought it was a bit different it is yeah but um i thought it was interesting anyway so i wanted to tell you definitely oh I'm um, not going to do a scare scale because it's not scary. I was going to say I miss scare scales. Sorry. It's fine. We'll do a scary episode soon. Next week. I was going to do a scare scale on mine, but I guess we I won't. do one for yours. No, it's fine. Oh, just have mine. Oh, just one scary. Oh, and oh one... let's just do it. You know what? One I think puzzle. We're the hosts. We'll do what we fucking like. I'm going to do whatever and you have to just listen to me. And if you don't like the scare scales, get lost. <laughs> Ignore her. <laughs> and we're not associated with each other. <laughs> Shut this up. This is the Avi show and here's Catherine's long finger. Alright, well if you want to know more about my long finger and Abby's show, then hit us up on social media. At Mits Magic Pod. And if you want to follow us on Wait, I've already just said that. <laughs> you have an okay day. <laughs> if you want to check out our Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash Mits Magic Murder. Yeah, do it. Go on. Don't threaten people. If Do you, it. If you would like to get the extra content. <laughs> yeah, we've got video content on there. There's no tiers, so you can give as much or as little as you want. Uh, 10% off merch that you can get over on mythsmagicandmurder.com. Um, you can also send us like requests or whatever on there. Go check it out. It's really nice. Um, Why do you always get stuck on mythsmagicandmurder.com? It's literally the easiest we've URL. We've got mythsmagicpod, mythsmagicandmurder.com, mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com, Myths Magic Murder on Patreon. I'm confused, pal. 
I'm gonna cut that out and just use it for the middle of every episode. <laughs> We've got. <laughs> um, yeah, so go check out the Patreon. It's really cool, and we like having people on there for to listen to. What us. we mean is thank you. <laughs> yeah, and if you have any haunted happenings, terrifying tales, or spooky stories, you can email us on mythmagicandmurder at gmail.com or check out the website. There's stuff for you to tell us, whatever. If you want requests, if you have stories, enlighten us. <laughs> do you do you want me to read yours? Are you having some troubles today? My mouth has stopped working just as it's my go. I only messed up once when I read super quick, like Eminem. It's because my mouth got really dry and I was like, <laughs> which is a real shame. Like, <laughs> I hate that when like, I, I have a tendency to slouch. So when I slouch, my lungs are compressed. So I run out of breath very quickly. It's awful. Big breath. <laughs> okay. You want to hear about mine? I would love to. Well, I'm going to tell you, even if you don't want to hear it. Sick. My sources are Wikipedia, fenstreasure.com, meforworld.com, verywellhealth.com, Belleville Telescope, bbc.co.uk, westword.com, and cbsnews.com. I'm out of breath already. This treasure was actually named after a person rather than the place it was held. Or I guess, in your case, a book. You know you can sit upright? Like, you're the one who sat like that. <laughs> Yeah, but I could just move the mic. Up. But I'm ginormous. I don't even think this mic stand can go higher than this. You're not that tall, Jesus. Give it a rest. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> Short people envy. Forrest Fenn was a six foot Texan that was born on August twenty second, nineteen thirty. Obviously, he was not born six foot. I know you're about to make the joke. I wasn't actually. I was going to say you because you're trying to play off that you're super tall. I am. Yeah, uh, twelve foot IRL. You have 12 feet. <laughs> yeah, and one long finger. He lived until the 7th of September last year, so 2020. During his life, he was a renowned pilot in the US Air Force. Apparently, he flew 328 combat missions in 365 days in the Vietnam War. Wow, that's insane. While he was still in the Air Force, he decided he would pursue bronze casting because an Indian wax mold had come into his possession in 1965. So he was like, oh, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Fair enough. Incredibly, he got it right the very first time he tried, which is like apparently very impossible to do. So he kept this little side business going while he was deployed, but eventually after retiring from his long career in the US Air Force, he decided maybe I'll just do that and other stuff like that. So he went on to art. He was contacted by his friend Murray Rex Arrowsmith, and eventually they became business partners, creating the Arrowsmith Fen Gallery. Forrest ran this with his wife and high school sweetheart, Peggy Penn. So we've got Forrest Fen and Peggy Penn. They sound like just the cutest. They sound like cartoon characters. I know, I love it. In the gallery were artifacts, paintings, sculptures, and more. It seems to have been fairly successful. I'm not sure how much a gallery would make normally, but they were bringing in a gross sum of about $6 million a year. Well, that can't be bad, can it? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know what their net value was. I don't know, minus all of the overheads and expenditures, but I'm guessing they were fairly well off. That sounds pretty decent. Forrest has been named a top-class art dealer, with some people saying he sold more art than any other dealer in the West. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, right? 
eventually he bought Rex out of the business. I'm not sure if Rex wanted to leave or whether they had like a feud or what, but Rex left after being bought out. And so Forrest was like, I'm going to make this gallery even bigger and like sell even more things and just do his very best because the man was very good at it. So his life had been pretty incredible up to this point, but in 1988 he was diagnosed with cancer. He was told it was terminal and to get all of his affairs in order. But since he was a truly eccentric art dealer, instead of doing what most people do when they have a terminal diagnosis, like plan a funeral or process your paperwork, he decided he would hide a treasure chest in an outdoor location for the public to try and find. That's how I'm trying to be. That's like the coolest thing. When I'm old, I'm going to write down some clues. <laughs> that it? No treasure, just clues. I don't have any treasure. <laughs> but you'll think there's treasure. Inside the loot were gemstones, gold nuggets, coins, and jewellery, all kept in a 12th century bronze chest. Who just has gold nuggets? This man was bringing in six million a year. Yeah, but in golden nuggets? The cereal? Yeah, the, the cereal. <laughs> it was estimated that the chest and its contents could be worth up to two million dollars. Wowza. Depending on the person appraising them. See, this is what I was laughing at when you were like, yeah, this thing was worth five grand. And I'm like, honey, I've got a big storm coming. My treasure's way cooler than yours. Mine was pretty cool. Mm, it was all right. Like, <laughs> In order for people to find the treasure, Forrest created a poem, which he released to the public. He told people not to mess with the poem, so the orders of lines, words, etc. shouldn't be changed in order to find the chest. It was all like laid out in the poem. He also said that no specialised knowledge was needed to find the treasure, ruling out like ciphers and stuff like that. He also said, um, I haven't written this down, but he was like, it's not going to be anywhere that an 80-year-old man can't go. That's fair enough. So, the poem goes as follows. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is drawing ever nigh, there'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, Look quickly down, your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze. Just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. That's long. It is, yeah. My lungs have just figured that out, reading it, <laughs> reading it out loud. He also said that the treasure could be found in the mountains somewhere north of Santa Fe, and that he himself had hidden it, so no one but him knew where it was. Luckily, Forrest recovered from cancer, and he wrote The Thrill of the Chase, a memoir, in 2010. This was basically a set of short stories about his life, and he even claimed that there were hidden clues in the writings about the location of the treasure chest. In order to be successful, Fenn said in an interview, you have to read the book, then read the poem multiple times, he was like six, eight, ten times, study each word, 
and then go back to the book and look for any links or ties within it that like brings the book and the poem together because that'll help you okay seems easy ish in terms of treasures we've talked about right i guess wrong oh there have been five known deaths associated with oh okay with the forest fen treasure sorry no one died in mine i'll have to take it back (laughs) in january 2016 54 year old randy bailu bilio and his dog went missing while looking for the treasure his raft and his dog were found on the 15th of january just one day after his wife reported him missing however randy wasn't found until july where workers found his body. Even after an autopsy, the cause of death couldn't be figured out. Damn. 53-year-old Jeff Murphy's body was found on the 9th of June 2017, after falling about 500 feet while looking for the treasure. Jesus Christ. June 14th, 2017, Paris Wallace went hunting for the treasure and was reported missing by his wife. His body was found in a river just one week later. That's so sad. Eric Ashby was a 31-year-old who was also found dead in a river. He was found on July 28th, 2017, one month after he'd been reported missing. And finally, Michael Wayne Sexton was a 53-year-old man who was found dead on the 21st of March, 2020, four days after the missing persons report had been filed. He was found along with another male, and the other person was saved in hospital. So it's... A pretty scary treasure. Yeah, but it sounds like it. In addition to the deaths, since since Forrest made it so that everyone could do it, there were a lot of inexperienced members of the public getting involved. So there have been national park rules broken, accidental damage of cultural artifacts, damage to federal property, and arrests made. Damn. So what do you think? Do you think the treasure's real? Or do you think it was a hoax to get copies of his book sold? But I think. Oh, sorry, go on. Before oh. I let you answer that, apparently he didn't let. He didn't get any of the money from his books. I believe he let the proceeds go to his local bookshop um, because he didn't want people to think it was a hoax to sell books. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or do you think that something's more sinister is going on? No, I think that it's real. Because why would he do it if he thought he was going to die? If he thought he was going to die, why would you bother? One last prank. Who's pranking people before they die? Before I die, I'm pranking yous. I would. Give you one last big prank. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's legit. Okay, so you want to do the scare scale? So no one found it, that's it? How scary do you think it is? Oh man, maybe like a three. If this threat of death. How dangerous? Five. The likelihood of it real? Three. And ideas? It's real or it's a hoax to, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not. I feel like it's actually more likely than that. Maybe like four and a half. Four and a half. In what likelihood? Yeah. Wow, you really just left me with nothing there. Yeah. Mine had a drama scandal. Mine had... Mine had death. We're in, this isn't a death competition. So now that we've done the scare scale, it was real and it's been found. Oh, I was going to say, please tell me it's been found. <laughs> 32-year-old medical student Jack Stewart found the treasure, but he remained anonymous originally because of safety reasons. The safety reasons being that throughout the years of the treasure hunt, Forrest, Peggy, and their two t- 
two daughters have been getting death threats and burglaries. So he wanted to avoid all of that. Oh, fair enough. He sent Forrest an email with a photograph in to confirm that he had in fact found a chest. As far as I know, it was found around the beginning of June 2020, and Jack claims that he went looking without a GPS or any modern technology to help him. He just used the words from the poem, the book, and any interviews of Forrest to help him find it. I think there was an interview with Jack where he was like, I'm not going to lie, I got a bit like obsessive. He was like, I'd think about it at least an hour a day. Wow. He eventually gave up his name because a woman filed a lawsuit against him, saying that he only found the treasure by hacking her texts and emails, which Jack claims is not the case at all. The location of the treasure has still not been released. No, that's all I want to know. It's not been released by anyone. Um, And Jack gave the reason that he wasn't telling anyone that he didn't want the wildlife to be endangered there from tourists going to check it out. Oh, that's sweet. Wow. It's a wholesome reason, isn't it? It is. It's not like, I don't want you to know because I have it. Yeah. That's great. Imagine being like, this treasure hunt hasn't been solved. I'm going to solve it and then actually solving it. I know, it's crazy. Wow, then you get a gold nug too. (laughs) Well, like thousands of people tried looking for it. Yeah. I can't even... Maybe I'm just not very smart, but I can't imagine how you would use a poem and just go somewhere. Well, it does have like keywords in it saying like, um, give me one second to scroll back up. Um, It says like, begin it where warm waters halt. And if you know it's by Santa Fe, then like you're probably at a river where it turns into like fresh water. You know, I would love to do something like that, but like safely and, and orchestrated. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like an escape room, but a treasure hunt. I think I'll just stick to escape rooms, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I would love to be like the type of person that could just do stuff like that, but I am far too fearful. Oh, as a side note, and I thought it was really sweet, obviously those people went missing and died, and other people have gone missing and been found and stuff. Um, Forrest has helped out in all of the searches, and he was like sending out messages and stuff being like please do not do this in winter like please take a gps take a friend like that kind of thing that's sweet and people were like why haven't you called it off like you should call it off and he's like accidents happen like accidents are always gonna happen there's nothing you know you need to weigh up the risks and be like am i able to do this but like it's, it wasn't his fault yeah well i guess if you're not going the, the right place as well yeah, it's going to be a lot more dangerous. Yeah, and like you just don't know, do you? It's just a terrible accident. But huh. yeah, but I'm cool I'm just glad found. that Jack found the treasure before Forrest died. Yeah, that's that's great. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, satisfying. So we got to see it all all finished up. That's cool. A fun fact I just remembered about mine. Sorry, before we close. Oh up. yeah, now we're going back to to Abby's fun fact. No, I just <laughs> wanted to say because I I didn't write it and I was like, I'll oh, just remember that. You know that hair razor game? Yeah. People were complaining that it didn't have any clues and it was stupid. And they were like, oh no. The other day, um, I can't remember what celebrity it was because obviously it was the 80s and I, I wasn't there. But like... You weren't. And surprisingly not. Um, there was a TV presenter who was doing a talk at Harrods in London, but it wasn't televised. And they were like... The, the people at uh, Hair Soft were like, yeah, she gave some clues. And everyone was like, so you just had to be there? That's Coincidentally, so funny. Coincidentally, at Harrods in London. 
to see this TV presenter. How specific? I am not being funny. I used to live like not far away from London at all. And I've only been to Harrods twice. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not really like a thing you just... It's not where everyone goes when they go London. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, everyone's just town, like, gonna go Harrods. Everyone's just like, that's bullshit, isn't it? Go away. You're only saying that because you have no proof because it isn't televised. One knob. Allegedly a knob. Allegedly. <laughs> well, that was fun. I need more drama in the next episode, though. Okay, yeah, we'll do we'll do something real spooky next. I'm excited. I'm excited. This was fun, though. Interesting. This was Treasury. Piratey. Ooh. Or arg. Hairy. <laughs> Wrong word. Shouldn't have said and that. And on that note, don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs>